Hi, everybody. How's it going? I hope you're not listening to this episode on your phone because you might get your brains fried out. <laughs> um, <laughs> mm-hmm. My name I is had Luke. My brains fried out. I'm Zach. <laughs> and this week we are covering a lovely little film called Murder by Phone on this podcast, which is called Broke Box Office. Broke Box Office. Right. right. So, so you say you wish you had your brain fried out? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't like it? I don't know, man. Maybe I was just in the wrong mood for it, but I was I was fed up with this movie by the end. <laughs> <laughs> I really I really thought it was okay. There were some things I liked about it. Okay. Well, maybe as we discuss it, I'll I'll be able to pinpoint <laughs> what exactly I didn't like. Um, but maybe I'll maybe I'll come to get a new a new uh, appreciation for it. Yeah, um, it's uh, Murder by Phone, also known as, yet again, like two much worse names. Yeah. Uh, the Bells and, fuck, I forgot what the other one was even. The Calling, I think. Yeah, Bells is such a dumb name for this movie. Doesn't make any sense at all. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of times with these movies, people, like, they have a name that's a good name, but they're like, well, this is, like, not prestigious enough, so we should name it The Calling or Bells. And it's no. like, dude, do you realize like what kind of movie this is? Just call it Murder by Phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that it, I feel like the title is one of the reasons we picked it. <laughs> oh, certainly, yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, there Just is tell me about a these surprisingly this dude has prestigious cast, the thickest beard. <laughs> I know, man. Um. So it stars Richard Chamberlain, mm-hmm. who is. You know, he's a guy. He's definitely more prestigious than, like, most of the people that we cover on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, the name sounds familiar. He was, yeah, he was a big, he was like a heartthrob in the 1960s and was on, mm. like, a couple soap operas or something. But then he made the jump in the 70s to doing, like, action-y kind of stuff, like The Towering Inferno and The Three Musketeers oh. and The Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah, he played Edmond Dantes in the 1975 made-for-TV version of Count of Monte Cristo, um, which is cool. He also has done a bunch of theater. Um, He he has this really interesting career where I think it was like in the 90s, he sort of left Hollywood and moved to Hawaii for a while Mm. because he was um, having trouble like coming out as a gay man in like the world of Hollywood and Mm. kind of grappling with like, cause you know, he used to be this big heartthrob and like he was struggling with that apparently, but now has returned to Hollywood. Um, He has a loving partner who he's been with for like 40 years and is now working a lot more consistently again. And he's been like, he was in something in 2019, 2018. He was in one of the episodes of the revival of twin peaks. Oh shit. So, you know, he's doing stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Um, And I think he's, you know, good. He does have a weird beard. He definitely has a weird beard. I feel like that's just a product of, um, like, the time that the movie came out. Yeah. Yeah. There's something, there's something sort of, uh, like, very simple and very, like, candid about his uh, style. Mm -hmm. I think he's decent. Yeah. I, Um, like, I didn't like the character, but I think that that's just the character. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, possibly even more interesting is uh john houseman who plays stanley the older gentleman who he like stays with Mm -hmm. um this guy this guy is somebody so uh he's 
primarily a producer, not an actor. Okay. Um, he worked in the theater uh, in the like early 1900s, like in the 30s and stuff. And he apparently was really close with Orson Welles. They were like Ooh. partners to a certain degree in the theater. They founded a theater together. They did a bunch of stuff together. They like produced some early films together, but then they had this like really dramatic falling out and no, no. Um, they like never, they never reconciled. Yeah. They, it was, it's like a weird story, but um, wow. he also <laughs> was uh for a time was head of the drama division at Juilliard and was the acting teacher of uh, Robin Williams and uh, all sorts of people. Yeah. And Christopher Reeve and, you know, stuff like that. So that seems to be like primarily his thing is like working on stage and producing first stage and then also producing films. But then for some reason he started acting like really late in his life. I read one of the, uh, let me see if I can find... Okay, yeah. So, one of his first roles as an actor was in this movie, The Paper Chase. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't even, like, the first choice for it, but um, he ended up winning an Oscar for it. Holy shit. Uh, and then went on to become, like, this super uh, sought-after kind of, like, supporting character, uh, like, supporting performer. So, mm-hmm. he had this crazy career of, like, he started in the theater... He was producing for theater, then he was teaching at Juilliard, then he was producing for film, then he was acting in film and winning Oscars. And so, like, wow, he's gone through, like, a bunch of different shit. This guy's super interesting. Yeah, sounds um, like quite a career. Yeah. Um, all of the other folks are not nearly as interesting. <laughs> uh, okay. We have Sarah Botsford, who plays uh, R.T., um, she just, I mean, she she has a great career. She has, like, 80 credits, but it is literally like the rundown of hour long you know cable dramas uh, you know she's got one episode of the mentalist and body of proof and cold case and medium and er and ncis and numbers uh, and without a trace you know okay. like literally just she's been doing that for 30 yeah, years i mean it's still but pretty modern that's a career stuff, so you know that's, that's nice. a thing to do <laughs> yeah yeah she's still around she's still working um then robin gamble plays clayton um plays the bad guy uh same kind of thing he has some big credits though i guess he was in austin powers um (laughs) as like a very minor character he was in sister act two as like a very minor character so he's got these like brushes with you know big stuff um yeah he is still around as well i think yeah and then the last guy that i guess you could describe as a main character is like uh the police officer yeah uh, played by gary ranke um same kind of deal nothing terribly exciting he seems to have been in a lot of horror films and stuff but um really nothing that i recognize so but he i mean his last credit was in 2012 so it's debatable whether you (laughs) want to call that like still working or not yeah you know yeah maybe he's like just retired he worked a lot in like the 90s and like early 2000s but yeah so two really really interesting men kind of at the helm of this thing but then yeah uh a little bit further down the line get to the more kind of stuff we're used to (laughs) yeah i mean that doesn't surprise me it feels it kind of feels like a movie that's sort of built around mainly the main guy yeah um well yeah i i 
am going to be more in line with the second half of that here. Uh, <laughs> it's directed by Michael Anderson. This guy has 43 director credits, so pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked, I his career seemed like he worked pretty regularly from the 50s to the 90s. Um, wow. So not bad. He yeah. directed a couple things that I recognized, but I haven't really seen. Um, he did a movie version of 1984. He did a movie version of Around the World in 80 Days twice. Uh, huh. By that, I mean he directed a movie of that book in like the 60s and then again in the 90s. That's weird. Um, and then it was either the 60s or the 50s. I can't remember. Um, and then he also did Logan's Run. Oh, okay. Which was at the top of his page. on. IG, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I've heard of that. You know, yeah, it's a thing. I feel like this movie feels very i feel like a lot of his stuff sounded like it was similar to this movie in that kind of uh 70s sort of like techno thriller kind of mm-hmm. way so i feel like you know it's a type of style yeah uh the the writers here there's five credited writers oh my god um, so I'm probably not gonna talk about all of them <laughs> jesus you know none of them really did a lot of other stuff that I recognized. Uh, one of them worked on Turner and Hooch. Uh, two of them actually worked on uh, that Clint Eastwood movie, Pale Rider, together. Mm-hmm. You know, one of them worked on the Dr. Fibes movie. I forget. I think it's like the Abominable Dr. Fibes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just stuff here and there. That's fine. I feel like that's another thing. You know, it does, doesn't surprise me that there's five writers yeah. working here. Um, it's got six producers as well. Um uh, <laughs> Most of whom, again, didn't do much else that I recognized. This movie is actually at the top of a lot of their, you know, huh. known for sections. So that should tell you about what else they've done. Um, except for this one guy named Bob Cooper, who did some producing and then uh, went on to produce Mr. Woodcock and John Tucker Must Die. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, that's bizarre to see, like, how, you know, how old was he when he was producing this movie to then be like, right. you know, I'm an 80-year-old man, and I'm producing <laughs> John Tucker Must Die. Yeah, he must have been really young uh, here. Yeah. But, um, and then, yeah, and also The Angriest Man in Brooklyn, speaking of Robin Williams. That is, uh, so there you go. That's really surprising that, that a, a production team like that was able to pull, because, I mean, you look at the director and, like, the two, like, lead actors, like, John Houseman was an Oscar winner at this point. Like, the yeah. Oscar that he won was in 70, 73, I think. So, like, it seems like a really prestigious cast for a project of this kind. I don't... That's interesting. I am I feel like I would guess that it's, a stu- like, a studio thing or, like... Yeah. I would even believe that this was a TV movie because I don't think there's any... I was going to say, yeah. Uh, cursing. There's definitely not any, like, real gore. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know what? Now that I'm looking at this, mine is kind of the reverse of yours because we've got... Uh, next up is music by John Barry who has a shitload of credits. Oh. Um, you know, he's got a bunch in the music department, a bunch soundtrack, and then like 129 where he was actually the composer. And it was a lot of stuff. Uh, but near the beginning of his career, actually, he I noticed a couple names that stuck out to me, like Goldfinger and Thunderball. Okay, yeah. And You Only Live Twice. So and some pretty much stuff. all, as far as I could tell, yeah, most of the Sean Connery Bond movies he was uh, involved in. And for some of them, it said, like, in parentheses, music composed by. So I don't know if that means that they just used, like, you know, I would assume they would use a lot of the yeah. same music throughout the series. So I don't know if right. he was, like, directly involved with all of them, but I saw a lot of those names in there. Huh. Uh, Diamonds Are Forever, you know, 
Um, he worked on King Kong in 1976. I guess there was there was okay. one of those in, yeah. in that year. <laughs> uh, that so Bruce many. Lee movie, Game of Death. Oh, nice. Um, Howard the Duck, Dances with Wolves. Howard the and then, Duck. Uh, Chaplin and Indecent Proposal. Yeah, I that one is like <laughs> I forget about that movie. Dude, had, we should see if we can we find that, that on YouTube. <laughs> oh, I bet it is. Do you remember like starting to watch it as kids and then it got yeah. to the scene with like the duck boobs and mom was like, Maybe we shouldn't watch this. I remember it, it, it being something involving like a hot tub mm-hmm. and that was the last thing I remember. Yeah, yeah. And it's duck boobs. <laughs> because i guess that exists for some reason oh man yeah i have never since gone back and like watched all of it so i've I've never seen that i watched it a a bit ago and it is like super bizarre like (laughs) i I don't even remember there's like crazy monster who's like attacking shit which it's like how did you how did we get here this is like howard the duck why is there (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> this isn't our Howard the Duck episode. We'll talk about that then. <laughs> Anyways, um, so, you know, dude, so, doesn't seem to have worked since, like, the early part of the 2000s, but mm-hmm. pretty good career. Uh, and then also, similarly, the cinematographer Reginald H. Morris. What a um, name. He had 97 cinematographer credits, starting with a bunch of, like, shorts and short documentaries and documentaries in, like, the 50s and 60s. And then one of his first features, actually, he did Black Christmas. Oh, um, that's a that's a good one. And then he went on to do Porky's and Porky's Two. Oh boy! Uh, <laughs> and then a Christmas Story. Oh wow! So a real a lot of variety there in the kind of yeah, projects wait. that he worked on. It seems like that's amazing that Black Christmas and a Christmas Story have the same cinematographer. I know, right? That's incredible. <laughs> but is. Oh, and also uh, additional photography on Superman the movie. Okay. Um, so he wasn't the actual cinematographer there, but he was he was there. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's interesting. Both of these guys also like were pretty well established before working on this movie. Mm-hmm. So you know, I have to imagine. I don't. You know, there must have been some money there. Together, like you were saying. Yeah, like what studio? Yeah. Was it? Do we know? I forget. I don't even remember. Well, Wait, let me see if it's on the page. Canadian Film Development Corporation. What? That's really Yeah, I mean surprising. that wouldn't surprise me. There's a lot of um yeah, in Canada there's a lot of like federally subsidized uh things for movies and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Um right. But yeah, also the movie is like very Canadian. You know, I actually um oh yeah, this is where it comes in. <laughs> I was trying to remember why I thought it, I knew it was a Canadian movie. It's because for the spotlight this one um, I went sort of in the opposite direction as usual, where it's I'm going to talk about the assistant director Libby Bowden. Okay. She only has seven credits uh, from 1979 to 1983, so hmm. short little career, mm-hmm. uh, all as assistant director or second assistant director. Mm-hmm. But out of those seven credits, uh, three of them are The Brood and Class of 1984 and Videodrome. Oh my God! Which are all pretty big, at least in the cult film community. Yeah. So. She had a real brush with <laughs> great. That's there. interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And then she like Videodrome was her last one. And then she just like didn't do it anymore. <laughs> like, I always. Like, Not for me. Those are my favorite mysteries that we come across in this podcast. Either like the big gaps in careers or like when people's careers are just over. 
Mm-hmm. Like, especially remember when we did holes and I was like, I yeah. want to know what all these guys are doing now. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm always so curious. You know, maybe she's like a dentist or who knows? Yeah. Wait, wasn't that, wasn't that you... <laughs> the kid from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory became a dentist or something? There's Charlie's dad is a dentist in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Well, no, but like in real of? life, there's some like, there's some famous <laughs> child actor who like, Quit acting and became a dentist. I'm pretty sure, or an orthodontist. That, you know what? That really, that actually does ring a bell. Yeah, we need like a fact check. Is it the we kid need... from a Christmas story? I feel like it's the kid from Maybe a Christmas story. Maybe it's him. Yeah. It's Maybe it's because we dudes. just mentioned that, but. I... <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll look it, it happens. I mean, this lady yeah. is like, I don't know how old she was to be an assistant director, but surely she could have found another career. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, that's uh, that's that's all I got. <laughs> so. All right. Murder by phone. He's ready to get murdered. Murdered by phone. Yeah, it starts like pretty immediately. Yeah, I like the first scene a lot. The first scene is is super strong. I have had this question for a long time mm-hmm. because I've seen this trope happen in movies uh, for for a, a good number of times. Um, I've never used a payphone. <laughs> yeah. How how do you call a payphone? How do you how do you do that? What is the number of a payphone? I don't know. Do they know. all have individual unique numbers? I mean, I feel like they like they must. Like I don't could a phone exist without a phone number? Like I don't know. I, have, I mean, I guess I if it's like a, no a idea. closed line, but that was I one of like, the main yeah, things like, phones, like <laughs> one of the main things I realized watching this movie was how little I know about phones. Yeah, man. There's a lot of phones in this movie too. You, should, you could make a drinking game out of like every time a phone rings, take a drink, and it would be pretty good. A lot of phones and a lot of phone science. Yeah, like heavy phone science. Yeah, and it's so, it gets so into it. I tell you what, like the like I do like the premise of the movie a lot. Like I feel like it's you know when you talk about like yeah good high sort of high concept horror movies, it's you got you take something. That's like an everyday thing and you make it like scary, like it might kill you or whatever. Yeah. Because like, you know, everyone has a phone. Everyone talks on the phone. Right. What if you picked up the phone and it killed you? Like, you know, that's a great premise right. there. Yeah, that's what that's one of my and favorite things. They do make things. it like pretty ominous. Yeah. I, I love it when films are able to do that with especially with like things that you might otherwise enjoy. Like one of my favorite mm-hmm. things about one of my favorite horror movies, which is it follows, is it takes, you know, sex. Yeah. It's like the main thing that becomes like sinister and like evil. And it's so interesting to see mm-hmm. things um, like repurposed in that way. And in this one, it is the phone. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, as you were saying, the... but this is not nearly as smart as it follows. <laughs> well, no, uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe it is. I couldn't fucking understand a lot of it. <laughs> uh, but in, in, in any case, in the first scene with, uh, you know, some lady gets off of a train in the subway it's the museum stop, as we find out later. Uh, I don't know. Some teens are being obnoxious, and then yeah. the payphone rings, and and this also is like, is this a thing that you would do just back in the day? The payphone yeah. rings, and she just picks it up, like, hello. <laughs> like, it's what? so weird. I would never answer a payphone. Never in my life. Yeah, I don't even answer my own phone. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh. I bet she wishes she didn't answer it because when she does, she starts to vibrate mm-hmm. is the only way I can think of to describe it yep. and bleed from the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and then just get get exploded kind then, of. Yeah. Also sort of exploded. <laughs> like it's 
I feel like this is right on the very edge of being like a cool death. Right. Yes. I don't know. I don't know how to describe. It. Maybe it's because they do it the exact same way each time. It's. Um. But like. I found that <laughs> I this scene. It. Yeah, I found that this scene was honestly maybe my favorite part of the whole movie. I it got me really excited. I, yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of the other ones are not nearly as cool. But like, there's also some really good interesting like cinematography where she gets like blown back um and she's like dead already and she lands kind of splayed out on this escalator and the camera is like kind of from the top of the escalator and you see like her body just kind of slowly like escalating up it's a really cool shot it's like really well done and i was like awesome this is this is cool let's go yeah Um, like i none of the other ones i was excited by this first well yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I also got excited by this this first scene and because like also it has such a cool vibe to it I feel like where yeah. it's a very like bright sterile like subway and yeah. there's this one like homeless lady there who has is weirdly uncanny mm-hmm. especially in a, a later scene where she shows back up mm-hmm. and I don't know it I really like movies that are set in big cities you know between like the mid 70s to the mid 90s yeah because it's it's just such a like very particular sort of vibe to it. I feel like I've said that before in the show. Um, but you get that a lot here. And that's probably my favorite part about it is just like the general setting and the feel of things. Yeah. It's very so reminiscent it of really well. It's very reminiscent of like the ambulance. Yeah. You know, with yeah. The whole, like, what, what there's a good about. guy and he's on the beat and the cops don't trust him and he's trying to convince him. But, and eventually he does. And then act three, they team up and they get the bad guy. You know, mm-hmm. it's, I feel well, like that's yeah. a tried and true formula <laughs> that, uh-huh. They employ here, but yeah. Oh yeah, and so <laughs> um, speaking of the good guy, we like. Oh, we also see that the phone is like on fire and all melted from the explosion thing. Yeah. Um, and then we meet our main hero, Richard, and I. I, I took a note down that said he. Uh, we meet a Jim Henson looking guy. <laughs> he does kind of look like very Jim Henson. like you know shiny dark hair and like a thick beard that looks like it's painted on yeah <laughs> like the beard he, is weird this dude like the movie came out in 1982 this dude looks like he's from the 70s for sure <laughs> like, yeah yeah if if you're uh isaac i know you don't watch it but if you're a fan of schitt's creek mm-hmm. uh listeners he looks almost exactly like mutt from schitt's creek <laughs> all right i'll know that if i watch it's that the, show. the weird beard and everything <laughs> you will <laughs> um I forget how it even introduces him. He's like teaching a class, right? Yeah, he's like. And then he gets the call that his student is dead. Well, the the woman who died in the first scene was one of his students, apparently. Yeah. Um, what what is he a professor of? I I thought like engineering or something, right? Like. Well, yeah, I thought so too. But then he's, he's like doing some kind of sciencey shit. Yeah, but later they they are talking about. I don't know. Like he, you know, he's super. We he's find also out like eventually, a conservationist too. Yeah, he's like super into like ecology and stuff. Right. There, maybe I'll remember when I get to my in my notes. But there's like a part later where I was like, wait, maybe he's. I don't know. <laughs> it sure seems like he. You know, he's doing some weird experiment in his class with these kids. Yeah. And it doesn't. You know, whatever. And then he goes to a farm and he <laughs> talks to the parents of the dead lady, and they're like. Go find out how our daughter died. He's like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a flimsy uh, motivation for everything that he's going to go through for the rest of this film, but that's I guess that's why they put it in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, he had a, a conference in that city anyway, so he's like, oh, I might as well investigate this murder. Right. 
yeah and then he just gets caught up in it or whatever um mm-hmm. but then pretty quickly another guy dies um mm-hmm. and this is the beginning of a a, a <laughs> one of the things that kind of bothers me about horror movies is when like the kills don't matter if that makes uh-huh. any sense because they're too like people who are not characters and have no backstory get killed and then there are no uh you know consequences of those deaths and they're just there to just be there i don't know yeah. some random like businessman yeah gets called on the phone and he <laughs> dies and it's kind of cool because like he gets like blown out the window of like a skyscraper and he falls mm-hmm. to his death yeah. um but we never know who this guy death. was and what happened after he died yeah exactly <laughs> like it yeah. doesn't it doesn't matter <laughs> but also i thought you were gonna say it also starts another trend that the movie has where you know the phone explosions like blast people backwards yeah and almost everyone flies through some sort of glass yes or like into a cabinet full of glass or just like (laughs) i mean you know there's there's not a lot of gore but there's a lot of like stunts i guess they also all do the same like vibrating thing where they just like yeah i guess that's part of it start bleeding i guess (laughs) it feels like there's a lot of steps to this like yeah murder method where it's like you vibrate and then your eyes bleed and then like your head catches on fire and then you like explode (laughs) Yeah, I was like, okay, <laughs> like it. It doesn't feel like a natural progression. Almost, it feels like a bunch of different separate things. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Um, oh, and this also, <laughs> I was wrong about the guy's name. It's not Richard. It's oh, that's right, Nat. I was gonna ask you about that. Why, <laughs> Nat Bridger? Oh, Bridger. You heard someone say Bridger <laughs> because I, Richard. I had the worst time. Yeah, yeah, dude, I had the worst time with names in this movie. I didn't remember the main lady's name until the very end because. Her name's like Ridley yes. something, Ridley Thomas or whatever. I don't know. And then he calls her RT the whole yeah. time. And I was like, what? And she never goes like, my name's Ridley, but my friends call me RT. He just like starts calling her that. Yeah. It's so bizarre. <laughs> it's really and, dumb. And, yeah. I never got the cop's name. I have no idea what his name is. I think it's like Mira. Yeah. Yeah. Every, yeah. I don't know. I feel like the audio was also, the audio and video on this one are also not super great. Oh yeah, um, we didn't even mention the the. <laughs> I feel like the copy is like super blown out. Like a yeah. lot of the scenes that are kind of brighter are. It's very difficult to even kind of see stuff sometimes because it's yeah. really really blown out and kind of yeah. I feel like there are a couple of times where it sort of zoomed in on something that you're supposed to be able to read some writing, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah. tell what it says. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyways, um, Nat. Nat is also like, come on, that's a terrible name for your leading man. Yeah. <laughs> no offense to anyone named Nat, but. Yeah, I mean, I assume it's Nathaniel, but like, Nat. Yeah, at least go by Nate. Why not? Nate, yeah, Nate, come on. <laughs> so much better. <laughs> uh, anyway, he Anyways. arrives at the conference and he's going to meet up with his old mentor and friend, Stanley Mokowitz, um, who is like a big deal apparently, and he gives like a keynote speech, so you know that he's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Nat goes back to stay with him at his house, which is big and fancy, so you continually know that he is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems like a nice guy at first. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a very, very standard sort of like old professor type guy. He right. reminds me a lot of. Oh, you know what? He reminds me a lot of the guy who plays. Uh, this is gonna mean <laughs> the because I just watched this recently in Zodiac. 
the like guy, the psychologist guy or whatever who goes on the TV show to try and get the Zodiac to call in to talk to him. Reminds me of that guy. Okay, I think I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Except that guy has like really dark eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. And we and the conference the conference is about like uh conservation, oh, as yeah. we briefly mentioned earlier. They're trying to save the planet or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so yeah, it, you know, after that he goes to meet the detective in charge or I don't not even in charge of the case, because they're just like, Oh, it was a heart attack. Yeah. Um but the he goes to get the the girl's stuff from the detective. Yep. And the detective <laughs> the detective is wearing this blue polo shirt with all of the buttons unbuttoned so it's like open down to like the bottom of his sternum yeah and he wears it for seemingly the whole movie yeah <laughs> it's a pretty pretty big choice like i want to see a movie about this detective guy because he seems more interesting he's funny yeah i kind of like him because he also is the same detective that we've encountered over and over i, I feel like on the show where he's like popping some pills and he's always like yeah leave me alone i got i got too much going on can't you see how hard my job is blah, 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 blah. yeah uh, i ain't got time like brushing to people out of his way like get out of here exactly yes mm-hmm. yeah I, you know he has a line where he says she just died and that's it and it's like mm-hmm. okay yeah it, it reminds me of i've seen a couple movies where this has happened it most notably in the star wars prequels where you know when padme dies and the the robot is like she, she lost the will to live yeah and it's like oh okay all right <laughs> uh, she just died <laughs> there, what was the what was that other movie that i watched recently where oh no it was actually it was groundhog day that was it and you know there's that old guy that he tries to save and, oh yeah um, yeah you know, the, the old guy keeps dying and he's like well why did he die what happened and the nurse is just like sometimes people just die yeah <laughs> yeah like, what <laughs> That's not true. Yeah, but there's always, like, a reason. <laughs> Maybe she knew that, like, it was something he wouldn't understand. She was like, just get out of here, man. Like, <laughs> Stop asking me shit. He yeah. just died. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. But that happens here. Well, she just died. She just randomly had a heart attack man. at, like, 21. <laughs> <laughs> More people are going to die. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, he does give Nat her stuff. Which yes, never yeah. really comes back. I don't think. Yeah, not really. It's the the scene is just to introduce the police officer. Yeah. Um, and then is this where the kid on the roller skates and his mom dies? What? <laughs> you, wait, you don't remember the kid on the roller skates? Oh wait, okay. The the ta- the lady from the tax office. I don't remember. Uh, some woman dies, and there's a kid yeah. We get another kill. House on roller skates. <laughs> I don't remember the role. I remember a kid almost dies. Okay, so this starts a thing of where this is a very weird slasher movie. I guess technically it's a slasher movie because yeah. the guy is killing yeah. like people who just kind of like annoy him. Uh, like, well, is that these aren't I, even like plot related characters? Yeah, <laughs> but I thought at the I thought at the end there was some sort of implication that he makes about how like he tries to kill like the rich. Uh, like the people who are polluting the earth isn't that part of it well yeah but he's killing like the teller at the bank he's not killing like the owner of the bank <laughs> true yeah yeah it's sort of random it, but yeah right here it really seems like he's just killing people who are annoying him like he <laughs> tries to get like a tax loan from this lady and she's like sorry we can't do anything get out of here i got other people to serve yeah and then he fucking calls her up and kills her <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and i think this is where like 
he calls and the kid picks up and he's like, oh, uh, is your mom there? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, here you go. Yeah. And then he's like, uh, is there anyone else on the phone? And she's like, <laughs> Billy, get off the phone. And the kid like hangs up. Yeah. And he's like, okay, now I can kill you. Yeah. I mean, at least he's not killing children. We, I, we should say, I guess we don't know who the killer is yet at this point. We have a couple yeah. of like POV shots, mm-hmm. um, which is just, I mean, I don't know. It does make it feel more slashery when you get mm-hmm. the POV shots from the killer's perspective. Yeah. Um, so she gets blowed up and she gets exploded into a a, a cabinet, as you were saying early, mm-hmm. earlier. <laughs> yeah. She breaks a lot of shit. Glass shatters, all that stuff. Yep. Uh, in the midst of this happening, we also get a scene of Nat going to that one subway station to investigate. He meets that homeless lady and she tells him what happened. And he goes yeah. to look at the phone and it's been fixed. There's so much, oh my God, yeah, there's so much shit that he goes through. He gets really uh, invested in this because he, yeah. he's like, all right, it's been fixed. So he goes to the phone company and he's like, hey, I want to know who fixed this phone at this time. And they're like, hey, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, get out of here. And he, um, this, I think. And then he gets to talk to the boss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, like this, I think, starts, like brings up my major problem with the movie is that like the movie doesn't seem to know what kind of movie it wants to be because hmm. it it's trying to be like a slashery horror like B movie kind of like oh he's killing people on the phone but it is also trying to be a sort of like corporate conspiracy thriller kind of thing where he's like there's a cover up going on and I got to like you know like the conversation or some shit right so yeah cuz I mean and... they definitely chose they definitely chose for him to be a conservationist on purpose like that that is very much a conspicuous part of the movie and mm-hmm. becomes even more so later when we learn the truth about stanley so it i agree that it definitely feels like it's trying to shoehorn in like some sort of message but it definitely does not come across at all yeah um, and it also and it ends up about like the environment <laughs> it almost ends up feeling like a waste of time that he's doing all this yeah. like investigating at this company because they're not the one they're not like involved in the killing at all they're just like they're covering it up. Yeah, yeah it's just a guy who like, works there. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I don't know. I'll, I'll talk more about it when we get to the end part. But I just was like, <laughs> I, I kept being like, why? <laughs> like, ugh. anyways. Yeah. He's, what even? Uh, he meets. Now here's where we meet. What's her name? Um, RT. Ridley. Yeah. She is an artist. Yeah. Right. She's mm-hmm. doing a mural, and he just is kind of an asshole to her mm-hmm. and tells her that her mural is wrong. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, want to go get dinner? Because <laughs> yeah. this is an 80s movie. Yeah. Oh, uh, man, does that come back later? He's in a just big a way dick also? to her. Yeah. Speaking of Sean Connery and uh, <laughs> James Bond. Yeah, yeah. Big big James Bond vibes. Um, what the fuck is this? I wrote, I have a note where somebody calls somebody a hot dog. <laughs> I don't remember. Hmm. I don't remember when that happened, but somebody's like, yeah, some hot dog must have taken a look at his phone bill and decided something, something, something. Okay. It's probably because I have a note here. This is where he goes back to the subway and like uses bolt cutters to like break one of the phones. Oh, well, he right. calls yes. the phone company on the phone and is like, hey, one of your phones is broken. And then he breaks it. Yeah. And then when the guy comes down there, he asks him about like, what happened to the other phone? And That's that must right. have been where some hot dog. I don't remember. Some that. hot dog must have taken a look <laughs> at his phone bill and decided. Yeah, there's a phone repair guy. He talks to him about it. 
um, the repair guy reveals that, you know, the, the receiver was all melty and blowed up and stuff. And he's like, just the receiver? And he's like, yeah. And then they talk shop a little bit. And, like, mm-hmm. it, they talk about a lot of phone nonsense about, like, it, it, fiber optics and shit. I don't know. Yeah. But do bit. you, like, that's <laughs> one of the things that comes back later. What the fuck is going on with the fiber optics versus, like, the copper wire? They make a big deal I, about it. And then. No idea. That seems to be one of the main motivations. Like, the bad guy was like, they stole my fiber optics or something. Yeah. Somebody's like, fiber optics can't ring a bell. That's why you got to have, yeah, because someone asked a question at this conference and they're like, doesn't the, all of the wires that have to go into phones seems like a waste of our natural resources? And somebody's like, well, you got to have phones if you got, I don't know. There's so much posturing and like different points of view going on here. And I don't know which one the film agrees with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's confusing. Yeah. It, 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 you know, it was bizarre for me. Like there's so many extras and like side characters and stuff coming mm-hmm. off of the um the lifetime movie where it was like for you know there's the wedding but for most of the movie there's like five people yeah um and then you see this and it's like oh my god yeah because you have like the boss of the phone company and then you have like the boss of the police department and you have like mm-hmm. all these other people and you have like several different employees of the phone company yep and there's that one cop guy who's always like sort of getting in the way yeah. uh who apparently is a character because he has like a scene at the end where where the other cop guy's like you did good son or whatever <laughs> i was like was i supposed to care about this yeah, guy and you're like, like who the fuck is that I don't, like i don't know yeah yeah oh man anyways and and yet they have all these characters but they're still you know killing off randos we get another scene yeah the murder of pov this time he goes to a bank that's closed i guess a little bit early for someone's birthday yeah and he's like all pissed off about this and I this like I got more mad at this than him killing people. He like goes and knocks on the window as he sees them celebrating this guy's birthday. I was like, Fuck, just come back tomorrow. Yeah, he's such a douchebag. <laughs> I was confused about that scene. I was like, what is the point of I, I forgot about that scene. It's just so that he has someone else to kill, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I guess. Um but our our main our heroes, Nat and RT, they go on their date, which by the way they're like, she's like, oh, let's meet up tonight. And he's like, all right, do you know the ballroom at this hotel? Yada, yada. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and she goes, when? And he's like, nine o'clock. <laughs> I took that down too. Nine o'clock. It's so late. For dinner. What the fuck? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> just, just be early. Like, I like to eat oh, dinner man. late, but I thought, you know, 8 p.m. That's what I like. Yeah, eight's pretty late. I don't know. And the date is so fucking weird. Because I just have a note that says, what the fuck are they talking about? I don't even remember, yeah. but they're like, I don't know. I will say at, at this point, I the the writing is kind of weird. And R- Richard Chamberlain's beard is weird. But <laughs> I do kind of like the acting in this movie. Yeah. Um, Especially from uh, RT. What is the actress's name? Sarah Botsford. Mm-hmm. I think it's like really kind of intriguing and sexy and cool and like. I think she's pretty good. Yeah, um, I do like her, which made it a little more palatable for me. I feel like, yeah, I feel like Nat is just so like constantly smug, and yeah, like, yeah. There's something about him that was just like he seems kind of like a douche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not the best for sure. Um, but yeah, so so we see the the kill of the girl from the bank. Well, let's see. They they finish up the. 
the date and RT is like because she's doing this mural for the phone company, she has access to all their files for some reason. Right. So yes. I guess And she lets him look the, at him. He wants her to like let him look at him. <laughs> yeah. Um and also meanwhile, some guy is like taking pictures of them on their date. Um, right the photographer comes in here yeah another fucking side character jesus yeah and all this stuff is like introduced and and not paid off for like quite a while because right we get nat gets a call from like his local police department who i guess he's friends with who he asked to look into the cop guy who is being obstructive of his investigation to this murder and he finds out that this guy was involved in the kaminsky case (laughs) and it's like are we supposed to know what that is like what (laughs) i don't know Turns out, like, this comes in later. Apparently, this cop guy, you know, was the only one who was, like, cared to find out the truth of this one case back in the day. So Nat sort right. of plays on that where he's like, right. you know, we're, we're the same. I'm the only one who's looking into this. And the cop guy's like, touche, I guess I'll help uh, or whatever. <laughs> but his approach is uh, very interesting because <laughs> well, yeah. Nat decides what he's going to do is go to the police station and rough up this police officer in an elevator yeah <laughs> uh it's very weird and the the this the this scene though sort of made me love the cop guy because he's just like so cool he just doesn't give yeah. a fuck he's like yeah whatever what do you want and he he says if i was an la cop i'd shoot you right now <laughs> yeah and that made me go oh the good old lapd has been the most <laughs> widely despised police department in the world for the past like 50 <laughs> years way to go <laughs> yeah congrats Woo! <laughs> oh man yeah i could not believe that scene when he like grabs the cop guy and shoves him against the wall of the elevator yeah it was like dude do you know what you're doing here and the cop just doesn't give a fuck he just like mm-hmm. stares him right back down and is like yeah whatever get off me yeah it's great yeah and then and then is when nat after that he goes to the phone company and gets uh rt to show him the files yeah and then he does something what does he do he like looks at her id and then he goes to, like, get... Is he trying to make himself a, a fake ID, I think? That's what I figured, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because this was a scene where it was very bright and I couldn't tell what was going on. Yeah, I have a note that says, what the fuck is this? And I don't know what that's in reference <laughs> Probably to. Probably the scene, because it's very, like... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Then, then... Okay, now the photographer comes back into play because, you know, Nat, Nat is a very, like, aggressive character for this, like, stretch of the film right he like yeah. attacks the photographer and breaks his camera and shit yeah he's he's wound up he's ready to fight and he catches the photographer like taking pictures of him and tailing him and he like beats him up and destroys his camera so he gets taken to jail obviously mm-hmm. um he calls stanley from jail and stanley comes and gets him um that's pretty much all that happens there right <laughs> but then they go on the tour together yeah yeah, because Stan is like, and here's where we get our, our first little hint that maybe Stan is. I, I took, I wrote Stan in all of my notes, but he he definitely seems more like a Stanley than a Stan. <laughs> um, uh, Stanley's like, well, I'll talk to the president of the company and see what's going on about this cover. Right. And Nat's like, well, let's just take a tour and look around. Yeah, because he because Stanley does like contract work for the phone company in some way, oh, shape, yeah. or form. I, I didn't even really. say that. Yeah. So they go on this tour. And uh, Nat, like, slips away to try and find, I don't know, evidence of, like, whoever's murdering people with phones. Yeah. And because but at this point, he's pretty certain that there is a, a you know, some kind of cover-up going on. And 
he asks one of the random employees and they're like, oh yeah, that kind of stuff goes on. The research goes on at like this room and the sub basement. And he goes down there and he finds four receivers that are all like melted and exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, like the smoking gun. He's like, all right, for sure. Someone is like fucking around in here. Uh, yeah. And they're the culprit. Why? But like, why do they still have those? <laughs> That's a good question. They could have just thrown them away. <laughs> yeah. It seems like he would want to dispose of evidence. <laughs> but, okay, well, maybe not. Because this is also, like, you're never sure the whole time. Because it, it feels like the phone company is also sort of trying to maybe investigate what's going on. Because they don't really know what's happening either, I don't think. Right. Right? I think so. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Like, I, maybe that's why they still have them. I don't know one way or another he sort of gets like chased out and he kind of he like steals somebody's hard hat to like blend in and kind of leaves and mm-hmm. uh, cuz somehow they catch on yeah, to the fact he's that fucking, he's there he's in disguise so many times he like puts on a lab coat to be yeah. like oh hello i'm an employee yeah. and he like gets a hard hat and he's like i'm just a construction man <laughs> he's a master of disguise yeah 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 but then he's got to go he's got to leave yeah what the fuck happens he goes to rt's house Oh yeah. It's being searched by the company uh because of the photos of of them together. Right. And and this is like, you know, like oh, now they're in it together. But then fucking later, she's just back at the company still there, still working there. <laughs> like it's so they're like well, you're in trouble now, but finish your mural first. We already paid for it. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Anyways, now's the and then this this where she's like you know, I hate you. And then he like grabs her very forcefully and kisses her. And then she's like, Oh, never mind. I love yeah. you. It's the eighties. Mm-hmm. Hooray. No. Yeah. It's the, the, the relationship is kind of awful, but like, I don't know. Yeah. It's also like, she has the weirdest phone of all time. Um, <laughs> she has this phone, which I don't know. I guess this was a thing in the eighties. I was born in 1993. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. She has this phone that doesn't have a receiver. It's just got like kind of this like wide base and the little like turn turnstile like number thing is like on the bottom of the base. It's a weird phone, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it's fucking a real dildo of a phone <laughs> that you got there. <laughs> Like, <laughs> it is bizarre looking yeah I, and i yeah, for yeah. the longest time i was like how do you even dial that but yeah you're right it's like you have to pick it up and look at the bottom and then yeah oh my god her apartment's kind of cool though so you get yeah. the feeling that like it's part of her fucking kind of futuristic kind of thing yeah she's into design um, she's like a modern artsy type person right i don't know it's cool it's a cool set we we get a nice shot of uh uh nat in the shower Oh yeah. Uh, after they, yeah. you know, fuck or whatever. And then who she she brings the because someone's calling someone's calling Nat. Was it Stanley? It's, yeah, it's Stanley. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And like Nat wants to go public, but Stanley's like, let me just talk to the president of the company first. Right. And Nat's like, okay, I guess. So you're like, okay, Stanley's gonna die, and he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Finally, someone with a name dies. Well, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. And, you know, he goes flying through some glass. <laughs> yeah. I thought for a minute that he was going to be, like, the main baddie, but he's dead now. Yeah. No. Um, but he was, he, like, okay, and 
is this the first time that the no wait the murderer talked earlier on the phone but he also talks to stanley here he's like yeah you had your chance but now you're getting too close right and i didn't understand that at the time and i also still don't understand it <laughs> um because like what was he getting too close to like These, to yeah, solve it? The, <laughs> there's a bunch of questions that i have about you know sort of what i was talking about earlier and also just about like the nature of the work that stanley did for the phone company yeah i don't think he was like i think that that, and this is also why i was curious about the exact motivations of the bad guy because it seems like he sort of had a deal with stanley to where they met up and were like all right we can use this new technology to really indiscreetly kill the big money people who are like polluting the earth and destroying the earth because that, you know, obviously would be Stanley's motivation. Mm-hmm. So I assumed that that was what was going on, which Whoa. definitely makes Stanley like a, a kind of a bad guy as well. Um, Wait, you think he but... was in on the whole like murder scheme? I Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I could totally be wrong, but I that was what I thought. I had no inkling of that at all. Huh. I thought he was just working with the, to me, I thought he was working with the president of the company. He was working with the company for yeah. like, you know, at first he was some sort of like ecological advisor or something. Mm-hmm. And then, but then I don't know why he would be working with the president to cover up the murders. Right. Um, hmm. Yeah. I don't know. We, send us uh, emails to side store, not side stories. That's from fucking last podcast. Oh my God. Send us emails <laughs> to broke box office at gmail.com oh and tell us your fan theories we're, about we're stealing another, another podcast. email address. <laughs> jesus christ um, oh my god um yeah so fucking anyway what else oh yeah uh then the cop calls rt's house and i'm like how does everyone know that he's at her place but whatever yeah that's a good question um, actually so the cops like i'm on board and yep. uh they go they all three go to um oh no it's just him and nat right now to the phone company to talk to the president they get to the secretary and she's like i'm sorry do you have an appointment and the cop guy holds up his cop badge, and I was like, "Oh, I thought I, th- I bet he's just gonna be like, I'm a cop. I need yeah. to question him." Yeah. But instead, he's like, uh, "His wife was in a car accident." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the the like, I love the performance of this this secretary lady because she's, she's great. so sincere. She's so like, "Oh no." <laughs> she's great. She like starts crying. She's like, "Oh my god." <laughs> she brings him in, and she's like, "I'm so sorry, Mister Waits." <laughs> Uh, she is really funny i like that scene mm-hmm. but yeah they talk to the president of the phone company they claim that they are the forces of goodness and mercy did you catch that line <laughs> yeah that was real poetic that's real nice what is that i don't know <laughs> this is though i think this i think this is the scene where if you pay very if you pay very close attention uh there's a giveaway to who the bad guy is in this scene did you see that Oh really? I didn't. Yeah. So earlier, when we're getting like the POV shots of the the killer, he's walking with an umbrella, sort of as like a cane, like how some people do. Mm. And then when they're exiting in this scene, the tour guide guy who we've met earlier several times, he's walking around with an umbrella as a cane. Ooh, I didn't even notice. I was like, "Gotcha, bitch!" Dang, dude. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I also. This scene, I think, is kind of interesting because the president of the company has a really good point. (laughs) 
Like, yeah. They're doing like a cover up, which is like in general a bad thing. But it's also like he doesn't want people to know that these phones are killing people because there would be like mass mm-hmm. hysteria and no one would want to answer the right. phone or talk on the phone. And he's like, right. society would like kind of break down a little bit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he mentions something along the lines of like, you know, what's worse, a couple of people dying in a couple of days over the phone or. Uh, people dying every single minute from not being able to call the police or the fire department or an ambulance, like something like that. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh fuck. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good point, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, mean, I keep, I'll have to leave this till the end, but I feel like there's several different good movies buried in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 I see what you mean. Um, but yeah, anyways, um, isn't this uh, the cool part with the with the really long shot of her at home? Um, it's RT. I think so. Yeah. He. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Um. Nat goes to Stan's house. Like real quick. Nat goes to Stan's house. He yes finds the tape in the answering machine and he like pulls the tape out from inside the like melted cassette right part of it right um and then like finds another actual cassette that he's gonna like recreate the tape so he can listen to it right. Anyways, yeah, now it's what you were talking about. Um, he he calls RT, I guess from Stan's house, right? Um, mm-hmm. And she picks up and he says something along the lines of like, I'm going to come over, uh, something, something. But he, he, he gives her like this special, like, if I call, I'll let it ring once and then hang up and then I'll call you back right away so that you know it's me. Other than that, oh. don't answer the phone. No, yeah, yeah. He, right? he had done that earlier. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he had done that earlier, um, which, you know, makes sense. It's good because, right. you know, how are you going to get in touch with people if you know there's a fucking murderer on the phone? On the phone? But right. Yeah, so he had um, <laughs> he had said that to her earlier, like, and then, yeah. yeah. this was one of my favorite scenes. I thought it was actually really cool. There's, like, uh, the phone rings, and RT, like, kind of spins around and is like, oh, someone's calling me, and she's a little bit scared, and the phone just rings and rings, and she lets it go until it stops, and there's this really long take where it like pans around the phone slowly and then mm-hmm. back to like you can see her in the background and then the phone rings again and it just rings the one time and then stops and then you can see her reaction to that of like, okay, so this is going to be Nat, so I'll answer it again when it rings again. Mm-hmm. And it, you wait and you wait and then you get these two shots of we see Nat is dialing her to call her again and mm-hmm. the bad guy is dialing her at the same time. Yeah. It's so cool because it's like, oh, my God, like which one of them is going to get her first? And since it's still just a phone ringing, even when the phone rings and she picks it up, you still don't know who's mm-hmm. going to be on the other end. I was like, oh, fuck. It was it's the only part of the movie where I really felt like some actual suspense. And I was like, oh, my yeah. God, who's it going to be? Luckily, it is Nat and everything's fine. But like, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, I I thought that like, I don't know. Yeah, it was really impressed with the amount of like suspense they were able to get out of this. Uh, this like premise that they have yeah um also wait am i wrong it's not nat it is the bad guy what do you mean or is that later no the okay who's calling her on the because the bad guy calls her at the beginning of this scene also and she like does pick up but she like just misses him like he's he like hangs up right as she yes. picks up yeah. um and then what you were saying just happens yeah. um but yeah and then he like goes over to her and they listen to the tape and they recognize the voice as um the tour guide guy so they're like okay we know who we gotta yes. we know who's the killer 
Clayton. Um, so Nat is like, I'm going to go over to his place and try and find him. You wait here in case the cop guy calls. And I was like, you just <laughs> had this experience where how are you going to yeah. know it's the cop? Like they got to come up. I mean, with I guess a at better... this point she knows what the bad guy's voice sounds like. They got to come up with a better <laughs> method of communication aside from phones. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And that that's what, yeah, that's what happens right here. The bad guy calls her for a third time this evening. Okay, and, right, um, yes. But he makes the mistake of talking to her, so she recognizes his voice and throws the phone away right before it explodes. Yeah, but it's still, like, she still gets, like, blown back a little bit from the explosion somehow. But she's okay. She's fine. Mm-hmm. She doesn't fly through any glass, so she's fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, the cop guy is able to get the assistant commissioner on board. Yes. Um, because the commissioner is like in the pocket of big telephone or whatever. <laughs> um, but the assistant commissioner is with him. And so they're like, let's go. Yep. And pff, fucking, I don't even know how they get to this plan where they're like, all of a sudden there's a bunch of people, everyone at the phone company is on board now. I guess it was because of the assistant commissioner. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they're setting up this thing of like, okay we gotta like catch him in a call and we'll like reverse his his machine back on him and i here's another thing where i was kind of confused they they think and maybe they're wrong but they think that the clayton the murderer guy thinks that ridley rt is dead from when he called her right so why would he not just like come into work the next day like couldn't they just wait at work for him to come in (laughs) that is he doesn't know that they're onto him i don't think yeah, I mean, I guess they have to do this thing where they, like, trace the call so that they have evidence. I guess that would be, like, their evidence is if they're able to successfully trace the call. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, it's just, like, you know, kind of circumstantial. Oh, um, shit. Yeah, maybe so. Anyways, they set up their this, Benzino this machine. Part is, <laughs> yeah, this part is weird. And the fact that this is, like, the last scene was one of the r- red herrings that really left me sort of confused about what the movie's trying to say. Because... Before the phone call is going to happen, you know, Nat is at the hotel and in the ballroom and he's giving this speech. He's giving this big speech about environmentalism to all these people who are there for the conference. And I don't remember any of what it was exactly, but it was something along the lines of like, we need to be more aggressive and get out there and break the rules and stand up for what's right. And like, yada, yada, yada. It's this really kind Mm -hmm. of like, uh, like hawkish um, uh, speech that he gives. But yeah. then, of course, he gets interrupted in the middle of it because the cop comes out and he's like, we got him on the phone. Come on. And he fucking leaves. So yeah. I, it's not like important to the plot at all. It's it's just kind of yeah. uh, ancillary. But like I was like, what is what? I don't know. <laughs> it's very bizarre. Yeah. I feel like the movie would not be any different if he was not an environmentalist. Right. Like if he was at like just a, some sort of engineering con- conference or right, yeah. if he was just on vacation or something. <laughs> I think maybe that's why I assumed what I did about Stanley is because without that plot point, all of the environmentalism stuff is, is pointless, which very well may be the case. But the thing about Stanley, like being down for the murder plot in order to save the environment, I was like, maybe that's why, maybe that's the reason that, we have this undercurrent of yeah. uh, conservationism. I mean, that makes more sense. Yeah. I don't think phones are like big polluters, right. really. No. I mean, maybe the construction of phones. Yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah, they, you know, their plan works. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, for say. some reason, they have to they have to get four of his seven phone number numbers in order to like send the trace back yep. to him. I don't know if that's true or like why it's just four. Oh, but they get it just in time. And they're also able to, through more scientific mumbo jumbo kind of talk, they're able to reverse the currents so yeah. that they go back to to where he's at and they blow his ass up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his fucking eyes melt. Oh yeah, that you don't that really cool. see happen, but they just are very red, and then they're not there. <laughs> then just his eyeballs just painted out with black. Yeah, just in the last shot, and then. <laughs> <laughs> the last note I have for the movie is some dumbass ending happens. That's it's my favorite ending. It's so fucking good. It's just like you know, I don't even, I don't even remember. You know, everyone's like, oh, good job, and then everyone's like, oh, I'm the president, but I'm I'm not gonna change my way of doing business or whatever. And right, yeah. Do you remember what the very very last beat was? Yeah, <laughs> with him and the him and RT. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. Do you? Do you? Did you write down like what he said? I didn't write down what he said. No, it was like it was. You know, they they're like leaving, like parting ways or something. And I think he just goes, "I'll call you" or something like that. That's what it is. Yes, yes. And he like holds up the phone. Mm-hmm. He goes, "I'll call you," and like holds his phone. And it's a fucking yeah. freeze frame. Freeze it's frame. like an eighties comedy. Yeah, it's straight up out of like Clue. But then they play, like, spooky music. <laughs> it's like, I'll call you, yeah. and maybe you'll die. I laughed so hard <laughs> at that. Yeah. Oh, man. Yep. And that's that's the movie. That is Murder by Phone. So 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 talk about uh, the, the better movies that you think are buried in here, like you were alluding to. Okay. So, like, you got to pick a lane. <laughs> Mm-hmm. either just make it a straight up slasher where there's this like guy who was like wronged by society in some way and he wants to like kill people i guess rich people maybe i don't know whoever and he's you know we got to know who the people are who are getting killed and sort of like focus on that plot and maybe go into the phone company like once to be like oh we had an employee who used to work here who like right. blah 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 um and he, I mean, you know, he can even have the same motivation of where, like, ah, oh, they stole my technology or, like, did some bullshit. Yeah. And maybe he's killing employees of the phone company. I don't know. Like, do that. Or you can do just have it be the phones themselves or the phone company themselves that is killing people. And then you can do this sort of, like, conspiracy thriller thing. Mm-hmm. But the way it is, it's like, it feels like so much is happening that like doesn't matter <laughs> he's like going around to talking to all these employees of the phone company and they're just like hey man we're just you know working here we're just trying to figure this out same as you but we don't want people to know and it's like the the, the murderer is just like doing his thing and he doesn't know that anyone is like after him until he's caught <laughs> right yeah yeah i do think i, I would have liked it better if there was and I don't know if it, it, you know, I liked it just because of this assumption I made about like the Stanley plot, mm-hmm. but I definitely would have liked it even more in that respect. If there was like more of that, if there were more scenes like earlier in the movie of Stanley, you know, and it could be like the POV style with like the bad guy and we're talking to Stanley. And so we still don't know who the bad guy is, but Stanley's like, you know, oh, you've taken it too far this time. And like, I, you know, I want to save the earth the same as you, but this is not, you know, some sort of conflict there, maybe yeah. something like that. 
because he also we forgot to mention but when uh when nat is on the phone with the bad guy at the end they're trying to trace it he does mention that like the first girl he was just practicing he was just like trying to see if the technology would work yeah that's why she died that's why like everybody else who died was like rich um except for her and And he was like oh i was just testing i was just testing the shit the people who annoyed him at the tax office in the bank yeah yeah um but yeah i i i don't know i feel like i liked it because of a couple things i mentioned like i think the acting is like fine if not good and um there were just a couple moments that i thought were super cool i liked Mm -hmm. like that one scene in in rt's house and i i liked the beginning a lot and i don't know it's quick you know it's short yeah Um, i think i think but yeah i agree that it definitely could have been helped with some like clarification Mm -hmm. of like motivations for everybody yeah or like some focus yeah i i will say i agree that like i enjoyed the sort of aesthetic and feel of the whole thing Mm -hmm. and i feel like it would be a fun movie to watch not necessarily a fun movie to like comb through and try and take notes on sure yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, it's just on and you're watching it yeah why not yeah Um, because i will say this despite the fact that i you know i watched it yesterday and to my memory i sort of enjoyed it i will say that i already as you could tell through the recording of this (laughs) i already was a little bit fuzzy on like some of the plot points and like the structure and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah so i would agree on that yeah so yeah i mean it is free though as always, it is free. So go check out Murder by Phone if that sounds like something that is interesting to you. Yeah. Um, and thanks for listening, thanks everyone. Thanks for stopping. Thanks for calling by. This was a long one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what are we doing next week? Next week, if, uh, if we're able to schedule a time for it. haven't quite done that yet. But we're going to try and have another guest on yeah uh to talk about a series of i guess they're i guess i was like is this a is this a tv series or is it a series of short films because like i don't think they're i think they're just on vhs's right yeah i guess i would categorize it as a series of short films they're videotapes and they're called veggie tales yeah i know a lot of you will probably be familiar with them <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of the people who listen to this show, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and I think what we're gonna do is, um, I think what will be fun is for me and you and our secret special guests to each choose one, and then we'll talk about three in particular and just yeah. sort of the series as a whole. Yeah. Um, and we will do that next week. So I will, uh, like, before that episode comes out, I'll put up on the Instagram uh, which exact episodes of veggie tales to watch if you want to like follow along on the show so follow us on instagram at yeah. broke box office again wherever you listen to podcasts give us like ratings and reviews and subscribe if you enjoy the show tell all your friends and etc email us at brokeboxoffice at gmail.com and tell us about whether you think stanley was in on it or not <laughs> um, i don't and think we'll it. see you next week everybody Catch you next week, homies. Don't answer that phone because it might be a murderer.